The Viridian Nutrition range of 200 plus award-winning products includes vitamins, minerals, herbs, nutritional oils, specialty supplements, tinctures and balms. All formulated to be helpful, efficacious and pure. By choosing our Viridian Nutrition range, you are one step closer to your goal of 100% wellness. Ethical vitamins with an organic heart. Available at all Browns outlets. Browns and you. There are billions of women passing through similar experiences all around the world and for whatever reason, we often feel like we're alone. It's time to make a point of discussing these topics from a range of viewpoints. These conversations surpass age, race, location. They are relevant to women everywhere. Welcome to The She Word. Conversations that women rarely have, but really should. Before we get started, of course, whether you're joining us on Spotify or on YouTube, please make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you're following us on Instagram or if you're following us on Facebook, make sure you like and follow the page because we have the most enormous, enormous year coming up ahead of us. And we want to make sure that you don't miss out on any of it. Lots of that information will be coming to you very, very soon. But for now, just follow, like, whatever you need to do to make sure that you stay with the she word. Now, if you are a Patreon page subscriber, I want to say a huge welcome to you and a thank you as well. First of all, I'm going to let you know that we do have live events coming up very, very soon. We also have some great offers that are coming exclusively to Patreon page subscribers. And of course, we have exclusive content coming out in the next number of weeks and you get to see everything before anybody else. But the most important thing is that by being a Patreon page subscriber, 50% of the profits go straight to the Richmond Foundation to help pay for any women who have seen this show, or even if they haven't, and they need to have therapy and they wanna seek some guidance, we're gonna help through this show to pay for that. So thank you so much for joining us. So today is the 30th of November and we're about to launch into Advent tomorrow. And whilst the shops are gearing up for the Christmas season with every gift imaginable, carols are playing on repeat. Roundabouts all over the islands are awaiting the arrival of baby Jesus in the crib. Christmas trees are being dusted off, ready for the Christmas season. Children are thinking about what they're gonna ask Father Christmas. And of course, it's well into the holiday season, but for some, approaching the holiday season is not a time of joy, but a time of dread or sadness or loneliness. And that's what we're gonna be looking at today. It's not an easy conversation to have. We're all ready for Christmas. We wanna gear ourselves up and get into the Christmas spirit. But I want to have this time to talk about the challenges of the Christmas season. So I'm really excited to have three amazing ladies with me. First of all, Dr. Clarissa Samit-Sherry, I want to say thank you for being with us. Thank you for the invitation. And you are a warranted counselling psychologist, yes. a registered family therapist, and your two areas of research that is special interest to this show is the impact of domestic violence on children and other family members mm -hmm. and the study of parenting in adversity. So you're gonna bring all of your experience, but those qualities as well to this discussion today. We're gonna to find out a little bit more about you in just a second, but thank you so much. 
Kira Borch, when we first spoke, you were a trainee psychotherapist. You are now a graduated, qualified psychotherapist. Thank you so much for being with us today for this show. Uh, you also manage a service for survivors of sexual assault and another for survivors of crime at Victim Support Malta. So you, again, like Clarissa, you're basically a superhero. So thank you so much for being here and thank you for agreeing to input into this show. Thank you. Okay. Sasha. Hello. It's probably your fault that I keep getting things wrong on this show because you're my partner in crime. And for anybody who doesn't know, you are not only the host of the Young Women's Edition, but you're also a very fundamental part of the SheWord family. And here we are sitting opposite each other. I'm going to stay with you. Sasha, hello, darling. Hello. How are you doing? I'm okay. Give me a bit of background about you for anybody who's not heard of Sasha Bella, which is probably no one. Okay, so um, my background is mostly um, in environmental activism. I have experience working in, in the media landscape. I was a journalist, a full-time journalist for two years. And as of this year, I am living in Gozo. Um, a much more quiet life, and I am now a freelancer um, doing content creation, writing, and of course, the she word. I know. Well, it's, I know, right? it's amazing because the she word has really exploded, and, uh, and a lot of that I'm going to put in your lap the credit to you because we've been brainstorming and really pushing this agenda much further and and Sasha challenges me all the time she'd be like we need to be doing this and we need to be doing that so I have a hard job catching up with Sasha <laughs> Clarissa a little bit more of a detail about you tell me more about you and what you've done and what you do um well from where do I start? <laughs> Wherever you would like to, because I introduced your areas that you've yeah. kind of researched into, but how did you come into this field in the first place? And what's the passion point for you? What do you really care about? Yes, um, I, I um, basically, I think one of the things that uh, makes, I think, my life meaningful is, is social justice and doing, um, you know, kind of d doing a bit you know, what, what needs to, not, not what needs to be done, but doing some good, good things, I think, you know, what, because, um, I, you know, the world is, um, sometimes life can be very hard. Yeah. And I think when we have around us people who care, people who are kind, I think it really makes a difference. Um, however, you know, when I came to do my PhD, which was a number of years ago, I wanted to work in the area of trauma. I wanted to sit to look at resilience. That's how I started. And then um, I kind of zeroed into domestic violence wow. and I got really interested in how children cope, how children experience domestic violence and uh, what kind of effect it has on them. And I think, you know, this has given me, this subject has given me so much, so much passion, I think. And even interviewing the people who have gone through these experiences have, you know, have kind of urged me to talk about these experiences because of them. And I think we're going to be talking to you again because we will be having a show here on The She Word about domestic violence yeah. and one of the things that came out of that that I hadn't really thought about is we always think of domestic violence as, as a husband or a partner or a wife because of course it's not just men it is women as well yeah but the children 
of domestic violence are profoundly affected yes. for their entire life and yes. they have needs. And I'm so glad yes. that we got to meet because I, I really do think that you are a superhero as well. So thank you so much for being here. We're gonna, it's gonna be putting the context of yeah. Christmas because of course domestic violence spikes at Christmas phenomenally. So I'm very glad that you're with us. Again, back to you, Kira, another superhero. And, and I just, you know, I'm gonna ask Clarissa a little bit later on, but working with trauma, which is what you do, working with difficult cases must be really hard. Why did you choose to do this? What is your passion? I think we've all touched trauma in our lives. Um, and I think giving back to, you know, people that have experienced such difficult um, situations really drives me. It drives me to help them. It drives me to be there, to be that caring and kind person in their life that would sit down for, you know, a couple of minutes, an hour, however much they need to sit down and actively listen to them and give something back. So I think that that truly is my passion and why I I decided to to you know, expand my career in the area of trauma. Sasha, I don't know about you, but it's really humbling being with two ladies who really dedicated their lives to making change. It really is. It really is. And it's definitely not an easy area to be focused on, as especially if you are very sensitive or empathetic people. It must be quite difficult when you go home after a day of work. You've carried a lot. Like I think you end up carrying other people's trauma as well, right? That's where the job really becomes challenging to not kind of take on that trauma as your own. Um, but yeah, it is truly inspirational and society needs these people, you know? Absolutely. Well, the reason that you are with us at this table is because Christmas affects young people, old people, mm -hmm. all people. It's something that you cannot avoid. Whether you celebrate Christmas or not, it is everywhere and it's going to impact. And, and when I spoke to Sasha, I said, we're going to do this show. You also said that you didn't like... Christmas as much as I didn't like Christmas. So let me give you a little bit of a background uh, as to why I felt we needed to do this show. And then I'm going to throw out some statistics and then we're going to start talking about the big issues. So we're going to talk about the expectations of Christmas. And I just want to put this in context for me personally, my personal point of view. Um, my mother has very openly said uh, what I'm about to convey. And that is that she had insanely high expectations of Christmas when I was growing up. And she herself had come from a very difficult childhood. Uh, she had had um, a lot of trauma in her own life. And so when she came to have children, she wanted Christmas to be perfect, mm. absolutely perfect. And as I got sort of older, I realized, and I think my, my brothers and I kind of recognized this at the same time, that at some point, that day was going to fall from perfection. And her journey to heal her wounds of her childhood by making this occasion perfect put so much pressure on the day. And whether it was the wrong gift was given or whether it was the gravy was burnt, at some point something was going to go wrong, the day would be ruined and Christmas would be canceled. So that's the kind of childhood and to the point where, you know, at one point when I was in my teens, and unfortunately I, I do believe it was late teens and I'd, I'm sort of moving on from being at home for Christmas, uh, my mother, a friend of hers, it explained this to her and has said to her 
look, this is what your expectations are and they're unreal and actually you're creating this volatile situation. And she sees things differently now, but unfortunately it was too late for us as children. And I have pretty much hated Christmas ever since. And even being in Malta and having to be away from family, there's also been a huge amount of loneliness. And I will talk about that a little bit later on because there's so many things that affect uh, us at Christmas time. So in preparation for us to sit down and talk about this, Sasha and I were both sharing statistics. Um, I, I prepared some thoughts from around the world, to be honest with you. In Australia, for instance, Christmas is considered the perfect storm for the pressures of victims of domestic violence and intimate par partner abuse. The crisis support hotlines see a usage rate spike of 25 to 30% on Christmas Day and Boxing Day, while crisis relief and emergency housing programs see a spike of up to 40%. So this is on the other side of the world. At the close of last year, a report in Malta stated that domestic violence reports have grown rapidly over the past decade. Now, of course, that's the report, so there is some extra kind of factors in that, but have gone up uh, by 70% over the last 10 years, uh, which is recording five a day. Now, if we add the spike to that, we've got a phenomenal uh, amount of domestic abuse happening over the Christmas period and domestic violence, of course. New research released by the mental health charity Mind suggests that a third of people, 36% roughly, are too embarrassed to admit that they're lonely at Christmas. And a YoGov survey in 2019, which I'm just going to flag is before COVID and a lot of things have happened over COVID, discovered that 43% of the population had felt some stress during December, 26 were depressed, 23 felt lonely over Christmas period, and with the 25 to 35-year-old age group experiencing the highest levels of loneliness reported by 31% of this age group. And that really surprised me because that's young people. And according to a recent study, the average spend per head during the Christmas period, because we're going to talk about the financial pressures as well, uh, in 2023, in the UK, is expected to vary between just below 700 British pounds, so about 780 euros in the northeast, to around 973 British pounds in London, which is a just over a thousand euros, and this is per person. Now, I couldn't find those statistics for Malta, but I'm pretty sure we're on the same wavelength there. So I want to start off looking at this black and white and taking a moment to define the reality of the holiday season, to put it in very, very real terms. And my first question is, why? Why do we have such high expectations of Christmas? What is the foundations for this? Why do we do that? Sasha. I'm going to, we're going to come to the experts, but why, why would, why has your experience been high expectations? Or has Honestly, it? Honestly, I mean, yes, I have one of the main reasons why I'm not really much of a fan of the Christmas period is because of the expectations that society places on everyone to have the most perfect holiday. And that just wasn't the case for me, especially in my teen years when I was, when I was, my mental health wasn't that good during those years. 
and just the thought of having to like attend dinners and and show up and be happy like i always felt this this pressure to you know look, look how happy i am i'm with my family but life isn't is is never quite like that you know there are always issues and it's kind of a holiday that expects you to have everything perfect um i still trying to understand exactly where these pressures originate from um for me now as i grow into my 20s it's very clear to me that it is a, a holiday based on capitalism that is all that has become i'm sure christmas started out um from spiritual roots but it is not anymore it's all about the gifts and the decorations and the expensive christmas trees and all of the endless dinners like it's all about money now which even more increases my reservations about it you know mm. um so well, let's ask these ladies so you meant you your question there was why where does it come from where does this pressure come from where does it come from i think social media yeah. also has a part to play and yeah. the movies we've grown up seeing and you know they all portrayed the perfect christmas yeah. like it's the perfect day with the perfect lighting perfect dinner perfect family um perfect conversations games you know everything is great and nothing ever goes wrong mm-hmm. um which is unrealistic because on, the, on a day to day things do go wrong and you know not everything is perfect um and i think that that sets us up for disappointment when then we look at our real lives and we realize that perhaps again social media comes in with you know everyone has these really grand wars decorations and massive trees and loads of money has been spent and then we look at our lives and you know perhaps we can't afford all of that then that affects us because it's not good enough But you see this is why i wanted to have two forgive me different generations <laughs> because i don't think that that pressure i totally agree that social media plays a role without a shadow of doubt but this pressure existed when i was a child and we didn't have social media right we're the same age so where do you think you got it from back then well i'm going to ask the expert <laughs> don't you ask no. me we that's why we've got experts young lady a... i got my eyes on you i'm not a christmas expert no i think i think uh, you know if it was not social media it was tv like you said mm-hmm. and and kira and and movies you know and i think when <laughs> when life kind of gives you a bashing you kind of have to to see how to make make it more meaningful for you and uh, i remember when we were going through a v- difficult time you know my husband and i um one of the things that i remember thinking you know this is just a day this is just this is just one day so if i if i kind of be quiet or stay in bed it will pass you know and um yeah and i think i think we've kind of by time we've 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 kind of built our own traditions of of what is christmas and what we do in christmas and uh, so for example and i i don't mind mentioning this we we enjoy watching um the muppets christmas carol oh <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah and we enjoy singing you know watching michael kane and uh, and watching the muppets and watching other kind of these kinds of movies and uh, now that and i remember doing that when my son was really young and doing them now you know uh, so it's christmas eve that's what our christmas eve is like 
Um, yeah, I think I think uh, the the kind of the 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 days before Christmas are kind of these expectations that mm. Christmas should be perfect or whatever, and then being let down after it isn't. Mm. So if you don't put those expectations really high then you know you can say okay it's a time for maybe looking around me and spending uh maybe days that are a bit slower and not accepting all the invitations mm -hmm. you know and we're definitely going to come to this we're going to yeah. come to survival tips and look into that definitely because you, you sound like a woman who definitely has some great great tips for us here talking about <laughs> christmas but i want to come back you just said something back there yeah. about um christmas traditions you mentioned the, the Muppets. The Muppets. Yeah. And I think there is a lot of tradition around Christmas. We're not entirely sure why we do things, but there's also these things that we do that maybe, uh, that ordinarily we wouldn't do. It's normally a time when families are thrown together. And, you know, you mentioned families. If you look at that, families aren't necessarily the most peaceful place. No. And so you've got these high expectations and then you might throw together people that don't actually like each other. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. let's face it, not all family members like each other. That's just how yeah. it is. Yeah. You have to get together and then even more so pretend that it's a great time. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of societal shoulds yeah. that we feel we have to kind of conform to. You know, you should sit down at dinner with all the family members and all of you have to get along regardless of yeah. whether or not you like each other. You should decorate, you should, um, you know, meet friends, you should go out more often. There's a lot of these shoulds and it's kind of measured. I feel like conforming to Christmas is kind of measured with how successful, yeah. you know, your family is or you are as a person and how good you how well you kind of conform to that and and the pressure of that to to perform in a way so you also mentioned previously about the christmas tree and having the big tree and so on and so forth i myself again a bit like sasha a bit of a christmas i'm not gonna say a christmas hater but i i always as, as a child we had a tradition of putting the christmas tree up on christmas eve and taking it down probably two days later and for me that works I would rather have the tree up, that's it, Christmas, and then get down. But as you mentioned, we've extended this holiday season. So when, in your mind, and we're just throwing this out on the table, when does the Christmas season start? When does the anxiety start? Mm. Honestly, it hasn't started for me yet. <laughs> well, that's okay, because we're only at the 30th of November. You've got 24 <laughs> days to get Well, yours. honestly... As in, this is my first Christmas um, moved out of my family's home, and I'm not decorating. Christmas is not entering my home. I I actually thought of finding a dead agave tree or something like that and taking it back to my apartment <laughs> and decorating it. But I'm definitely not going to be buying any plastic trees for myself. With that being said, though, I remember, I can't recall if it was last year or the year before, my mom actually came and she said, I'm not decorating for Christmas. And it struck me because as we've, we're mentioning the traditions, that for me to come into my parents' home, to go up the stairs and you see the Christmas tree there, that was a childhood memory, you know. I wanted to have that. I'm okay with not having a, a tree in my apartment, but a tree at my parents' home, even though I don't really like Christmas, I don't know why, that it just kind of, it makes sense, you know, that's how I know things to be around this time of year. But there's a lot, a lot invested into that. Yeah. that. I mean, isn't it? There's a tree yeah. at the top of it. No, in fact, I, I, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't not decorate. I mean, I remember when my my mother-in-law died, uh, and it was it was it was in August, so it wasn't near Christmas. But my my husband really didn't want to celebrate. I, I think we felt really sad, and we just said, "Okay, let's put up the tree and just have baby Jesus." And for me, it's important to decorate. It's to mark that it's a different time. I think of the year. It's an interesting way to see it. Actually, it's a different never... time of the year. Plus, the lights give me, you know, you know, kind of raise my spirits. Yeah, that's true. And it's very uh, warm day almost. Yes, and in fact, I I love fairy lights, and I usually leave them around for some time, even mm. after Christmas. You're that person in January that's still looking like they're <laughs> yeah. at Christmas, aren't you? I actually yeah, always fairy have fairy lights. Yeah, so no, all year round. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, you know, I like the I like the tree, and I like baby Jesus. I like the I like these things. So, um, because then I think I would feel I would feel a bit like um, I don't know, sad not to put up something, you know, not to mark the occasion, you know. Mm. Um, I will just say on your you're talking about your your tree, you're getting the the dead. <laughs> what was it? The, the the what tree was the it? Agave the agave tree. Agave tree. <laughs> I happened to got a live Christmas tree with it last year that was in a tiny little thing in a pot. Oh. Um, yeah, no husband didn't water it whilst away. It's pretty much dead. Oh. That uh. is the tree that we're having, though. I'm sorry, I'm sticking with that. <laughs> we're going to have a dead Christmas tree, and we're going to use your fairy lights to try and decorate. Um, look. We've talked about this a little bit and just touched on that because we could sit here and talk about Christmas traditions for a long time. But if you don't have family, I've spent mm. many Christmases away from family. And I actually, when I was on my own, wouldn't decorate mm -hmm. if I'm single, if I've been by myself, because it kind of somehow compounded the loneliness. If you don't have a family or if you've got family complications, we'll come to that. Uh, if you don't have the money, because Christmas is expensive and brings its own financial stresses, and even if the year hasn't been a positive one, if you've lost a family member, it can create incredible anxiety and the fallout can be huge. But let's talk about that for a second. If you haven't had a good year, if you've not got the money to celebrate, what, what can you anticipate? What, what do you think is going to happen to those individuals? I, can I just say something? Yeah, if of I course. Were, if I were single, I think I would still decorate a bit. Listen, Clarissa, I'm getting it. You're like a big Christmas decoration. You got me and Sasha convinced here. <laughs> because I would, feel, I would feel lonelier. I would feel like, I, I don't know, I would feel like I... Like odd. When I first came here, I will tell you, and then I'll stop talking, but when I first came, I used to get the kids from the church that I was at mm. to come and on the, on the evening. They'd come with their parents and they would decorate the tree for me. Mm. It was a fantastic tradition that I had for about 10 years of living in Malta. Um, and then I had just moved so many times. I think I've lived in 12 or 15 different properties in, in Malta in the 18 years I've been here. And that just was not even knowing where the Christmas tree was, let alone the baubles. And I did miss it. Yeah. But there is also that thing where, you know, it's expectations. It's still coming to expectations. You wake up on Christmas Day, there's the Christmas tree, and you're on 
your own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's like a reminder in a way, and I, that's mm-hmm. what it can serve as a reminder of the loneliness, like the lonely Christmas period. I'm home alone, and I've woken up to this Christmas tree, and there isn't really my expectation of what Christmas should be around me. At the same time, on the other hand, I also agree a bit with Clarissa where it kind of disconnects you a bit, you know, like where you become more disconnected from the rest in a way. So it can also, again, make you feel lonelier, not having that three up. So it's a bit of a a double-edged sword. Mm. I I mean, I would, you know, I think if I were to have a Christmas where I'm alone, I think what I would do is actually go out and volunteer, I think, and go and give food to people in the soup, in the soup kitchen. Which I've also done, and mm. it's a great thing to do. But again, we're still talking about reminders that your Christmas that you're experiencing is not normalized. Mm-hmm. Being yeah. on your own is not normal. So let's, let's, before we move on to the big things that happen at Christmas that we need to deal with, such as domestic abuse and loneliness, what can we... What can we expect if you from from Christmas? What what is what are the just on a very base level the anxiety, the disappointment? What are the things? Throw them onto the table. What what are the less positive aspects of Christmas? Stress. I mean, for me, it was also experiencing loneliness when I was around people, mm. and that's that was just another level of difficult because you're not even taken seriously when you tell people you feel lonely, but you have people around you, you know. Um, and Christmas time always brought that for me. I think last year was the first year that I actually didn't feel like intense loneliness only because I kind of tried to make the best out of it, you know, and use it as a time to be grateful for the people around me rather to conform to these pressures. But yeah, loneliness would have to be my uh, my biggest one, I think. It kind of takes away permission to be sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like where you, Ooh, that's a you good feel one. sad, but you can't because there's constant like happy Christmas carols playing everyone's in a good mood um you know again the expectation kind of of not being sad Mm -hmm. so it takes away permission for me to yes to feel lonely and to feel sad and for it to be okay to feel Mm -hmm. sad during Christmas because Mm -hmm. it's a reality um so I would say yeah sadness overwhelm the loneliness also and for example fatigue and tired yes, yes. like if you're... So, so permission you know so it's almost like you have to have permission to to say no to invitations mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. parties and uh, you know to seem like you're an oddball or something um and uh, yeah just to say uh, you know i'm tired i'm 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 exhausted. I yeah. need to stay inside. You know, I don't want to come to the party. Yeah. Yes. And what about not getting invited? Because <laughs> that was always like, okay, like, you know, there are a lot of events that you can end up left out from. And that just causes a whole other like yeah. world of pain, you know? Definitely. For sure. For sure. And, I, and of course, notwithstanding, we'll come to in a minute, but also the financial pressures yeah. mm-hmm. and the image and the social media and everything. I mean, it just ha- it's just it is, as it described in this these statistics from from Australia, the perfect storm. If there's anything that is wrong, this is going to be the time that it's going to rise to the surface and you're going to see it, which nicely leads me on to something that you ladies know very well about and I think Sasha and I both want to learn more about which is the domestic abuse rise mm-hmm. and you, Sasha you were you found statistics that were a little bit even more 
uh, higher than the, the statistics I found that just very much said, this is the worst time for domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. So why? Ladies, why? Why at this happy time are we looking at this being the worst time of year by far mm. for domestic abuse? I think one of the things that I think strikes me when there is domestic abuse is the unpredictability of you know what's going to happen in the house so 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 if there's a family where there's domestic violence it, it, domestic violence is not doesn't happen every day so so they can have you know a week two weeks where everything is fine and then all of a sudden there's the storm what may happen during christmas time is the availability of alcohol mm -hmm. the um the financial stress the fact that you know people get invited to parties and perhaps there's in, an increase in jealousy the children might be expecting presents um so it kind of pushes everything it escalates this you know it pushes everything up kind of mm -hmm. So to speak, um, um, and uh, so there might be there might be more reports of domestic violence. So we're we're not sure whether it increases or not, but it's a stressful time. Just like, for example, when 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 children are start school, you know, people children have to parents have to buy the stationery. They're expensive. They have to buy books. Have to buy uniform. Uh, or or COVID, for example, when people were staying inside, they couldn't come out. There was a lot of fear. So all all of these things create a lot of more stress on the family. And when a family is already stressed, then it's likely that that this is not dealt with well, and there is more aggression, etc. Uh, etc. Can, et can I ask you as an expert, what is it in whether it's a man or a woman? Mm -hmm. What triggers that person to go from being stressed, which we've all described, to being not able to restrain themselves and lashing out? Because there has to be, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but for me, the, the, that's, that's stepping over a boundary. Yeah. That's bypassing a boundary. And of course, once you've done it once, it's easier to bypass. We all know how that works. Once you've had one glass of wine, well, what the hell, I'm in for all of it. Yeah. Uh, it's great wine. So, uh, but, but what, what is that thing that, that takes someone from not being a domestic abuser to a, because domestic abuse is not just violence. Mm. Domestic abuse, we always think of it as just violence as someone hit, but domestic abuse is... physical violence. Yes, yes. Oh, no. There are, actually, Trude, you're asking me the million-dollar question. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Why does domestic violence happen? And there are, there are many different explanations. Um, so so um, one explanation is, uh, or let me rewind, you are perfectly right, it's there is like a taboo that once it's crossed, then then people can use violence as a form of managing difficult emotions, making people stay close mm -hmm. through making them fear, um, you know, doing other things that you don't want them to do. And unfortunately, violence works. 
because it, it makes people do what you want to do. So once, if you, if you have used it as, an, as a strategy and you find that it works, you, you, you know, you, you could continue using it. So I think all of us have the capacity to be violent, but we don't. Now, there are certain pe people who perhaps, you know, have, have come from families where there is a sense of entitlement and patriarchal beliefs that the man, if it is as a heterosexual relationship, it, you know, he then must be the, the head of the family and whoever it is must do what they say. Mm -hmm. So that if if they come from that kind of background, and there is a lot of that even in our country yes. in Malta, you know, um, and you mentioned a lot, you know, how violence has many forms. So a lot of people think it's just physical violence. And now, for example, uh, in November we celebrate we've celebrated the sixteen days of activism. Mm -hmm. um, but violence has other forms, for example, psychological violence, which, which threats, uh, making jokes, belittling people, intimidating. Um, uh, you know, we have a prevalence rate of um, one in four women in Malta who have, exp who have yep. in their lifetime experienced violence and includes either phys physical or emotional or or sexual violence you know then there is financial abuse so kind of controlling people controlling your partner through controlling how much that person has access to money so from so from giving for example 200 euros to your partner and saying look you have to, that's all you have you know or putting a lot of pressure for the partner to work not to work so for, and could be very subtle pressure. So saying, you know, I don't want my kids to, to be, mm. to be in childcare. I don't want my kids to be raised by their granny. Uh, you know, you, you need to take care of the kids. So there are all these different forms of, of violence mm. form, forms of, you know, and it's not, it's not just the physical and it could be that, um, you know, people use them because as I said, because they work. Now, then there are things like, for example, violence that doesn't come alone. So if there's substance abuse, mm. if mm. there's um, alcohol abuse. Which is Christmas, mm -hmm. you know. Which is Christmas um, because, because it's more acceptable to drink at Christmas. Yes. You're socializing, you're yes. at a party. Yes. Which I'm just going to, because you said something before I forget, you mentioned about sexual violence. And one of the, the statistics said that in, um, intimate partner violence goes up as well at Christmas, a lot at Christmas. And I'm going to come to you, Kira, to, to kind of cross over from Clarissa. This is your area. Why? Why would that go up at Christmas? Why would sexual violence or, or intimate partner violence, so we're talking about somebody who's in a relationship, why would that happen at Christmas? This is the time of joy and giving and squishies and lovely and sitting on the sofa and watching the Muppets. I think one of our highest statistics is marital rape in Malta. So that's it's very common within partners that rape would be present. 
Um, so in Christmas, similarly to, I guess, domestic violence in a way where Clarissa mentioned, you know, use of alcohol, substances, um, overwhelm, stress, anxieties, there's more tension in the household, the kids are home from the holidays, there's a lot of, there's more noise. There's also more access for the perpetrator. So sometimes people have time off during Christmas time. So they're at home more often um, in a confined space. So you'd spend a lot of time together. Um, so that would increase the likelihood of it happening. So if it would have, if it usually happens once a week, once every two, as Clarissa said, now it can happen more often because perpetrators at home more often is using is drinking more um is stressed out more so there's a lot of pressure um and unfortunately it tends to rise um the issue also with christmas and sexual violence is that a lot of the time perpetrators of sexual violence are people known to the victim so friends or family members mm. um and christmas time brings your friends and family members around you so um PTSD symptoms, trauma symptoms can really resurface during Christmas time because you are constantly triggered by the people around you because you have to act happy around your perpetrator, whether that's your husband, cousin, uncle, whatever, family member, friend. Um, so this is almost a double, a double whammy. Yes. It's a double whammy because you, you've been thrown into a more... Um, susceptible and a more dangerous situation at a time when you should be, in theory, you should be uh, happy, which leads to what you mentioned again about loneliness. Mm -hmm. About lo yeah, You also did your research. You found statistics that relate to this, this violence as well. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm remembering them by heart. No, I wasn't going to ask you that, but, <laughs> you, but I think we had that conversation where we were both kind of really taken aback by that. Yeah, no, I, I still can't really understand how come these these statistics are so high during Christmas time? You know, um, it, it's it's not just during Christmas time. It's even, for example, during the World Cup. Yes, or when during there are oh. events like bigger events, Big, uh, and when you're serious, yes, the yes. spike probably yes. because of, of people who bet as well. Yes, they exactly. have money at stake. I see. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that's also that's also a critical time as well. Um, so when there's Champions League and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. wow. I did not. Did you know that? No, I didn't know. That is crazy. Yeah, because of the alcohol, because of the betting like the mm -hmm. and the gambling and increased stress, you know, that, that kind of thing. Well, you just mentioned about betting uh, and brought this up with Clarissa. Sasha, because I mentioned before that in the U in the UK, uh, you're looking at an investment per per person mm -hmm. of seven hundred to a thousand pounds, which is you know over a thousand euros. So my question, I guess, is, you know, we're going to talk about tips and things that you can do, but mm -hmm. but we, what is the net effect of that? I mean, we all do it, don't we? We all spend mm -hmm. more at Christmas, and I'm the person that never plans, and I never put the money aside beforehand because you mm -hmm. just think, oh well, don't nobody wants to go out in January. But, but what's the net effect of that? What's the, the what are the, what's the impact of that to somebody's psychological well-being? I mean, you feel you feel frustrated. You feel. Um, helpless, you feel like, you know, you, you're, you're, you're never going to improve your situation. Uh, you're kind of down there, you know, it's miserable, misery. 
um, when you're supposed to to be able to have, for example, if you're parents, if you're a parent, you're supposed to provide for your family or for your kids, and then your kids will start telling you, "But mom, I, you know, I'd like this," or they don't say anything, and you feel like you're in a failure. You know, it, it can easily spiral. Mm-hmm. Uh, bad stuff. Wow. Yeah, I also think it's very isolating. Yes. Know, so to be in that position of not being able to spend as much money as you would like to spend or your children would like all these presents. And um, it can be very isolating, both for children actually and for parents because yes. children can go to school and they're like, I know what I got for Christmas. Mm-hmm. I got, I don't know, an iPad and I got... And if, you know, your family wasn't able to provide those types of presents and it can feel very isolating and you can feel very cut off from other people. And as a parent, you feel responsible mm-hmm. um to provide right like you're saying um, and you feel isolated too as an adult where you know you would like to spend and you would like to you know uh, again decorate and buy nice a nice dress or nice clothes for christmas lunch or for different events that you may have attending events so you need money to attend an mm-hmm. event so it can isolate you from the people around you because you have to spend more time indoors and it creates a lot of shame mm-hmm. also so for me to attend the christmas lunch with family but i couldn't afford to buy presents for my nephews my nieces my parents my and everybody's sharing presents but i can't give that then that you know it, it leaves me feeling very ashamed of myself so i cut off i isolate so but the root of the problem is capitalism I'm sorry, but love you. <laughs> but this is what is creating all of these pressures to have the best dress and the best presents and the best sure. tree and the best decorations yes. and the sure. most expensive wine. Yeah. yeah, it's capitalism. Agreed. I absolutely 100% agree. And can I just? You can say whatever you want. Not 100% related, but you did mention the impact, and it does also tie in with the financial pressures. The impact that Christmas spending and and all of these gifts and the impact that it has on the environment True. is insane. True. <laughs> it's insane. So, you know, we should actually be thinking twice about the amount of presents that we buy and to make sure that we are actually engaging in sustainable acts because it is such a wasteful time of the year. Just yeah. that. I yeah. might... No, I like that. That's awesome. I'm so oh, glad no, you did true. that. It's true. Very true. It's very true. But of course, you're expecting to have everything wrapped up with wrap. I mean, I now buy the the brown recycled paper, and I have done and for for a number of years, and and use, use a bow. newspaper like uh huh, and no no um, sellotape. You just use yeah. a ribbon and everything. It takes a little bit longer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little bit of cursing that goes on with that. Um, but absolutely, the the environmental impact is is there as well. And in fairness, bearing in mind that we've had such an incredible um, t- incredibly tough year with climate change with everybody you know it's climate change just sticking with with that because that's your passion is sitting there creating anxiety because we know it's happening mm-hmm. and I think most of us feel there's very little we can do but mm-hmm. we just fuel it sometimes you know but then you sit there yeah but even at Christmas if you're yeah. going and doing that and you're looking at it there has to be some sort of subliminal kind of thought saying okay look that you know look at that look at it but also there's the climate change and everything mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. I haven't gone into that too deeply but I'm pretty sure it's there so I want to come back to loneliness because we're just going to finish looking at these topics and 
all of the other suggestions that you guys are going to put on the table as well and look into what the danger areas are and then we're going to look at where we can protect ourselves. Now, Sasha, I, I want to talk about loneliness and I'm going to ask you ladies about this as well, loneliness and depression. Now, we know that the suicide, one of the highest suicide rates is after Christmas, ironically, not over Christmas. So it's the aftermath. It's when when the Christmas cheer or whatever it is and wine has sort of disappeared. But loneliness and depression can be all year round. For me, the loneliness that has come from uh, one experience at Christmas has made me very mindful. You mentioned about volunteering. Um, I spent the first Christmas with my new partner on my own because he wanted to be with his children, which meant he could be with his ex-wife, mm -hmm. which meant that he then had promised to see me in the afternoon. I spent the morning on my own. Everybody else was, I mean, as particularly as a foreigner, and I think we need to be mindful yeah. of foreigners here, because I am one, uh, your family are uh, hundreds of thousands of miles away and you quite often are surrounded by people who've gone to see their families. And I love the Christmas family unit in Malta. Mm -hmm. But if you are not part of yeah. a Christmas family unit in Malta, you have no opportunity to be around family. And I remember that Christmas very, very vividly. I was on my own until eight o'clock that evening because he had promised to come straight after lunch, fell asleep. I was ringing, not a single word, mm. not a single word. And by eight o'clock, I was, well, I'm not going to use the English phrase for it, but there was a little bit of wine that had been drunk and I was really <laughs> feeling the hit. But loneliness is a real big, real big issue. But I want to ask you, I want to go back to what you said before, Sasha, because I've met your parents. Mm -hmm. And they're really cool. Mm -hmm. They're really, really nice. And you are very outgoing and you're a very beautiful young lady. And I think for most people, they would say, why on earth would Sasha experience loneliness at Christmas? Because of that, because even your family are are fantastic. Well, I mean, your mum's just gorgeous, frankly, if you're watching. <laughs> oh, she's going to love that. <laughs> she's going to love she's that. She's a star. But... Where does that loneliness come from? I'm going to let Sasha speak from her point of view and then ask you guys to fill that in. So looking back at my teen years before I get back to 2021, which was a difficult Christmas for other reasons, but my teen years, I struggled a lot with anxiety and depression. I still do. I just know how to manage it better, you know? And I struggle particularly in the winter months, I really, really get affected by seasonal affective um, disorder, basically. Um, and that's kind of when Christmas hits, you know, that's when all the festivities hit. So I have the same reservations for both Christmas and New Year's, actually. It's not just Christmas for me. New Year's, I think, is actually even harder um, because there is even even more pressure. You know, it's the start of a year what are your, 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 um, you know, you do the list for the year and all of, all of these things. Um, so when I was a teen, I remember not liking Christmas just because I used to be in a very different headspace. And you mentioned it before. I didn't have the permission to be sad. You know, you can't go to a family dinner and, and just be crying by yourself in the corner. And I also struggled a lot with friendships throughout my life. And it wasn't the first time that I was 
either left out from plans around Christmas time or my friends wouldn't wouldn't include me or I just wouldn't be invited out. And that created a lot, a lot of sadness and loneliness. Um, then 2021 was a particularly difficult Christmas just because that year I got out of um, a very toxic relationship actually no 2020 2020 and also because of covid and everything and i was in a relationship with a narcissist basically and he completely isolated me so by the time christmas came i didn't really have many people in my life and it's true that i had my family even though i didn't have that much of a great relationship with my family when i was still in my teens god bless now like we are on amazing terms but yeah, to put everything in short, for me, it was difficult just because of lack of friendships, lack of support systems that weren't inside my family, because there's only so much that your parents can kind of understand what you're going through. And sometimes you need a friend to understand what you're going through or just to have a, a friend like by your side, you know? So... Um, yeah, I love the fact that all the way through that, and I'm actually a little bit choked up. I'm sorry, because I love this girl. I always make you cry. <laughs> and you, actually, that's true. Every single show you've been on, I could end up crying. But right throughout that, both of these ladies were avidly nodding. And I'm going to start with you, Clarissa, because you started nodding from the first word that Sasha said. <laughs> so you're obviously acknowledging that, that there is that loneliness and it contributes to, to the Christmas season. Give me a little bit more detail on that. Yeah, I think I was struck by what you said when you said um, about the issue of friends, and um, it's it, I you know I I wonder how difficult it is you know in, in maybe in these days to find good good really good friends friends who stick around friends who um, who don't bully you friends who are you know, not there just just for the laughs. Um, I find that, you know, with a lot of young people, it's difficult to find good friends. It is, it is. Um, and it's something which, um, which I didn't really experience. I mean, in the sense, I think it's not just you. I think it's a lot of people. Definitely. Um, and I sometimes wonder. What... You think it's hard, we're the same age. Yeah. Do you think it's harder for young people today to have solid founded yes. friendships and then I think it is I think it is I just don't know why I think it is because I meet I meet a lot of young people who struggle with friendships and I meet parents who are worried about their young people you know how to find good friends is this a social media thing because let me tell you why, and I'm being respectful for a lot of younger people who are a couple, maybe even half a generation younger than me, find it more difficult to pick up the phone. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. Um, <laughs> what, uh, are you, are you throwing shade? No, 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 there's no personal attack there. Shade. <laughs> no, no, no. But they do. No, but but we, we grew up without social media or anything and you pick up the phone and there's that distance isn't there you send a whatsapp message someone can ignore it mm -hmm. it's not a hello i saw this great post saying a whatsapp message is not a hello how are you it's just there 
And you mentioned social media. Is this, I mean, we're going completely off topic for a second, but it's relevant to Christmas. It, it, you mentioned social media. You think this is down to social media that is putting barriers in, between young people? I think maybe it's one of the aspects of it. I think it does have a part to play. Um, I'm not sure why. I think also in my generation, we we message each other much more than we call each other. Yeah, um, right. So I'm not sure why that happens. And there's a almost an anxiety behind having to answer the phone. There you go. No, 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 no. That's true. <laughs> 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 um, I also notice many people leave their phone on silent even yeah, nowadays. Me. So yeah, well, like, me too, I don't yeah. have to hear it ring. Right. Um, I also think that it's a boundary thing sometimes where people put down a boundary where like if I answer the call, that means we have to have a conversation. But with a message, I can kind of leave it there when I'm in a better space. I can answer you. Um, so I think social media does have a part to play because it does distance us in reality. Like like you said, it's it's there and I can choose to answer whenever I feel like, how I feel like, and there's no emotion to it. In a sense, if you pick up the phone and tell me, hi, how are you? And I'm having a really bad day. You hear it in my voice. Yeah. And then I have to talk about it. But through a message, I can easily be like, oh, yeah. oh it was fine. <laughs> yeah. How are you? And switch it back, and switch, yeah. back on to you. Um, it's a very so good I point, think it yeah. does make it, yeah, it does, it does create distance. But you, in, before we come back, because I, yeah. I don't want to leave this because you insinuated, Kira, that there's something else there. You said it could be one of the things that has made. I'm, valuable relationships I haven't looked into to be honest this aspect ever so I'm not sure of any other things but it's one of I think it's not just social media so I think there would be other aspects to it um Sasha? I mean personally I just never had the experience of having your group of friends that you're always like planning with mm. I've had groups of friends throughout my life um I have one group of friends who I've actually remained friends with since we were in kindergarten. But other than that, I've always had kind of re personal relationships with people. I was never really a fan of groups in general, you know. I'd rather be one-on-one -on -one with someone sharing a conversation rather than being in a group. So that's maybe also me. I think unfortunately in groups what tends to happen is that it, it takes one person, you know, to start. Yep talking badly about the other but and sometimes there's this like kind of culture to be cool you know the and cool spreads like wildfire yes. we laugh about it. and sometimes it's just done in a in with through jokes so it's mm. very um subtle it's very subtle little yeah. jokes yeah i i want to kind of put on the table um a, a figure a statistic of um from a prevalence study that we did so we looked into how many how many children we have witnessing domestic violence but we used a tool that looked at other forms of victimization and and amongst all these forms of abuse we looked into peer and sibling victimization mm -hmm. which is like bullying and it came very high. It came up to 75, 76% wow. of the respondents, wow. which was a representative sample. So and we, this was, the study was done in Malta? Yes, 2022. Oh, wow, recent. How much? 75%? Uh, I don't remember exactly whether it's 75 or 76. And it ties yeah. with it ties with a study that um, NCPE, so the National mm -hmm. Commission for the Promotion of Equality, had conducted in 2016, where where bullying was very high as well. 
So, um, and, and I think, I think we, in November also, we celebrate the anti-bullying week. We really, I think we really need to look into what is going on. Um, how come there is this form of, you know, there is the, this bullying behavior, mm -hmm. how come, um, people kind of cross these boundaries, these limits of decency. Mm -hmm. But does this know? come back to, again, you were talking about the distance that's created. You said about sending out a message. A message isn't a phone call. You can't hear the emotion. You can't in touch that person. Now, without sounding like a really old timer, when we were growing up and we had our, our school friends and our teenage friends and our, our friends, even into our 20s, you made a plan. You stuck to a plan because there's no way that you could cancel. Yeah. And if you didn't show up, you were a right idiot because you knew what the impact was on that person. So our communication was direct and it was, it was, it, yeah. it had gravity to it. Whereas even Sue, who does our keeping it real on a Friday, has said it's really easy to cancel a Friday plan or a weekend yeah. plan. And then what? I mean that that leaves you feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. Or cancel a relationship on text. Oh, um, I I don't know who was telling me. Someone was telling me that she actually had gone through a very bad breakup and the breakup has just <laughs> happened through a text, wow. which is absolutely crazy for me. I think it would really make me go bananas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, from you, from Dr. Clarissa, that's really <laughs> saying something. But bringing it back to Christmas yeah. and exactly what Sasha said is that if you are already experiencing loneliness, then at Christmas time, it's just as worse. And as you said, Kira, if you can't pick, if you're not in the kind of place where you pick up the phone to your friend and you hear them crack when you say, hey, listen, how's your Christmas going? It's a message. Yeah, it's fine. It's easy. You're not engaging with that emotion. You're just replying it black yeah. and white and that's how it is. Yeah. Have we missed anything out from any of you that are added pressures and added... Uh, factors that take place at Christmas that somebody that's watching the show is like okay no actually this this happens to me at Christmas this is what makes my Christmas so hard I think people who actually perhaps lose someone at Christmas or they're trying to get pregnant and get you know and are not able to like maybe they get their period during Christmas so they think they're pregnant and they're not you know losses kinds of losses and mm -hmm. maybe not being in touch with your family or being for example, a child living in a residential home, for example. Um, you know, I do, I'm going to just touch on that from yeah. a personal point of view. I don't have kids. I can't have kids. And Christmas has always been hard for me because of that. Because yeah. everybody makes it about the children. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't have that opportunity, and whether or not you could have had that opportunity, it's a reminder that you are not quite a family mm. because you don't have those people so it's a really really good point anything else i think also eating disorders often <gasps> come to light yeah. in christmas time mm -hmm. whether it's restriction or um, binging. binging um because you're expect as it, again there's the expectation of this food everywhere all the time you know and we're very much we're very big i feel as more these people on eating so it's like come on eat 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 and whether again it's restriction or binging then that could really affect 
um, and a lot of women it's more prevalent within women to have eating disorders. Absolutely, that's a cracker. But mm. you also made me think of, you know, if somebody is alcoholic, recovered alcoholic, yeah. or an yes, abuser, yes, recovered, yes, recovered yes. abuser, wow, it's it's a minefield. Mm. Any others that I've missed out on? Honestly, I think uh, also the days between Christmas to New Year, New Year are a weird <laughs> period. It's true. Yeah, like it's a very strange time, and it the leaves desert. a lot of time <laughs> to reflect. And kind of when there's losses throughout the year or throughout your life, like everything seems much bigger in that period because it's a lot of time for reflection, preparing for the new year, my new year's resolutions, what I want mm -hmm. to change in my life to make it better. And at that point in time, again, mental health difficulties really yeah. arise because of this nostalgic period, reflection period that occurs in that space. And we didn't mention, I guess that uh, we didn't really linger on the mental health. But if you do suffer from depression, as you rightly said, then everything is escalated around this time. Yeah. And then, of course, if you have depression and then there's, there's substances being thrown at you and all the rest of it, then, then there's, there's more, more, a, of a, more of a situation that you're going to yeah. perpetuate. We, we also didn't mention illness as well. Mm -hmm. So if people are in hospital or if people are going through terminal illness, I mean, horrible time. But also any, I mean, I'm always kind of harking back to, to Sasha's story because she's, you, you're, how you came to be on the, the she word in the first place. But if you're going through pain, mm -hmm. I mean, this is, that's really, you don't even need to be in a terminal illness place. If you are unwell, yeah. wowzers, there's a lot of factors that are going to really take away that perfect Christmas and bring mm -hmm. anxiety and stress. Now, we've managed to make ourselves quite depressed exactly. here. <laughs> But you and know, that, that's why we shouldn't hold Christmas to these perfect expectations. That's why we should collectively go against these expectations. Just use it as an opportunity to celebrate your loved ones if you do. And if not, just don't let it get to you, you know? Don't don't let it cause so much stress and pressure in your life. Like, as you said before, and I really loved when you said it, it is just another day in the calendar. Yeah. That's all it is. Once it drops all of this weight, it's just another 24 hours. And the irony of it is if you take away, uh, if, if we're in a Catholic country, if you take away uh, every bit of, of capitalism that, that Sasha yeah. keeps mentioning and you take it down to the absolute reason why we celebrate Christmas in the first place, certainly here in Malta, then that faith festival is all about light, love, sharing, forgiveness, goodness, uh, and, and salvation. So that in itself is the foundation of why we should be doing it. I think things affect us depending on the meaning we give them, right? So they're as important to us depending on what meaning we give that event thing like Christmas yeah. again. Mm -hmm. So if I want to look at it from the Catholic perspective, as you mentioned, then that's one thing. But if I you know, engage in it in a capitalist way, then that's another. So kind of we, it can become another day if mm -hmm. we remove 
the meaning that everyone else has kind of thrown in and yeah. figure out our own meaning of Christmas. Yeah. yeah. So what do I want Christmas to mean to me? Absolutely, and which is exactly what, what you were saying about finding that. Well, let's look at some practical ways of doing that because I've written down a number of, of challenges that we've talked about and we've talked about, we've thrown in a whole lot more and I want to dissect those just for a second. For anybody who's watching this and thinking to themselves, okay, I'm lonely at Christmas, what are the practical ways of combating loneliness? I have a family who I don't necessarily get on with. What can I do? I'm in a, in, in, I'm far more serious perhaps or maybe not, but I'm in a domestic violence situation. How am I going to literally survive Christmas. Let's start with that because that's at the sort of higher end of the danger zone. If somebody is in a situation where they are experiencing uh, violence in the home, whether it be um, sexual violence, whether it be physical violence, whether they are a child experiencing violence, because let's face it, we can be a child of an adult as an adult, and we still might witness and experience violence. What is the best advice that you can give for that person? I think for people going through these very difficult life experiences, if you are in a relationship, both heterosexual and same-sex relationships, so I want to highlight that, so we're not kind of heteronormative and the the rates the prevalence rates are very similar so if we are if we are adults and are in that kind of relationship i think my plea to these people are to reach out for help you know um phone phone a poch phone 179 phone um and and just make a, just make contact with the social worker you know if 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 that is still scary, perhaps you could actually approach an NGO like like um, SOAR, S-O-A-R, and it is a self-help uh, organization where, where you meet other survivors, other women who have gone through such experiences and they can share with you, you know, tips, how they actually went through these experiences, kind of you know show dv the light of day can i ask yeah what stops a woman from doing that or a man or a child but what's let's say what loads, stops an individual loads. from doing that because that's what i want to break it down to because i want to break down the fact that not everybody feels they can do that yeah otherwise fear, we wouldn't have we'd have much less violence at christmas yeah, yeah. fear um fear that there fear that you're going to actually um get beaten or get make things worse if the the partner finds out that you have actually sought help but there are ways and means to actually do so safely um uh, shame uh denial which helps you continue coping um so you kind of think okay maybe if i kind of zip my mouth and be super quiet and be super perfect this thing will not happen um a lot of things shame that you you know or lack of support from your own family from your extended family feeling that maybe you're imagining things maybe you're actually maybe he's right maybe you're actually crazy maybe you're too emotional maybe that all these kinds of things um so yeah I, I, so then what can you say clarissa to that woman who's in that situation over christmas with increased domestic violence 
or a child or a man, I'm just going to make sure we keep caveating that and saying that, yeah. what, what can you say, because we're talking about safeguarding steps and being practical, what can you say to a woman? We know where she can go. We know why she doesn't go. So what can you say to bridge that gap, to convince anybody who's listening to the show that they need to take action, they need to pick up the phone, call a poch, call call the helpline? Yeah. Or at least one, tell one person who you really trust, you know, share share. A, a bit of what you have gone through, you know, and maybe this person, maybe a friend can really support you and help you, help you in your path to safety. So start with one person. Start with one person, one person you trust. Um, you know, don't feel like there's no one like you, you know, you can only, you can only reach out and get help. And I think it's one of the things that are really profound about this show, both for the young women and for this show as well, when you know that you're not on your own and that other people are going through those experiences, it hopefully will give you courage yeah. that there are thousands of other women and men and children who are experiencing the same thing. You are not on your own and you didn't create this situation for yourself. Yeah. Just reach out to one to person. To one person. And, and uh, maybe you could, you know, first reach out on Facebook. For example, you know, there are Facebook pages like Women for Women where many women reach out for help. Yeah. Um, but maybe, maybe you could, but that you, you there you will get a lot of <laughs> different forms of advice. Um, and they are, if you post anonymously, they won't really know your situation. But perhaps if you, if you, if you speak to one person who knows you, you know, that is an, a, a huge step forward. I think that's, that's one person. just one person. Kira, sexual violence, we talked about this, intimate partner violence, also hugely on increase over this period. Yeah. What would be your safeguarding steps, your words of wisdom or encouragement for, for anybody that's going through this at this period of time? Um, in a similar way, I would say, you know, having that one person to reach out to. And I understand that it can be very difficult to reach out to somebody to speak about, you know, this horrible thing that you're going through. Um, but keeping it all to yourself often eats you up um, and increases the, the probability of, you know, you feeling further isolated, further, even more lonely and alone. Um, so I would always suggest um, on reaching out to somebody you really, really trust, really feel comfortable with. And if there's nobody that you can think of, there are professionals um, that would be willing to listen to you um, for free. And also not having to report to the police or any, any, anything like that, just to reach out, have someone to speak to. And someone when you would like to take action, and that's completely up to you, when you would like to take action, team of professionals can be there and we can come up with a plan that would ensure that you are safe. And this is victim support? Victim support Malta, yes. Okay, so someone can pick up the phone to victim support? Yes, they can call on 21-228-333. We'll put the details or underneath. If you feel uncomfortable calling, we have a website, Victim Support Malta. Um, I think it's .org.mt, if I'm not mistaken. Um, there's a section where it says to fill out a referral form and you can self-refer um, and we would receive it and call you back. And we would. Okay, again, I'm going to ask you the same question. 
for somebody who's not in that situation, that seems like a really obvious thing to do. You're in, a, in an abuse situation, you reach out and you get help. Why do people not do that? Decision making is severely impacted a lot of the time in traumatic situations where there's a very complicated biological um, mechanism that occurs in the brain, but it does actually impede on your ability to take decisions. Um, so with the overwhelm of all of the factors that Clarissa mentioned, you know, the, the shame, the fear of retaliation, the children, possibly breaking up your family, you know, people around you getting to know, there's a lot that comes in in that sense. And then also that impacts your decision making skills. So as you would usually be able to make decisions when you're passing through trauma, that part of your brain is kind of switched off or dulled mm. down, let's say, if not completely Goes switched offline, off. Goes offline, we yeah. say. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. So yeah. you you hear a lot of people experiencing trauma saying, I have a lot of brain fog, I keep forgetting my appointments or names or roads and um, I can't think clearly. So a lot of the time then uh, this would impact taking action because it seems too overwhelming and I can't deal with the situation at home and making a decision so I just fall into helplessness really. But as you said making that call or reaching out whether it be through online you know and, and I will just acknowledge for anybody that's that's in that situation that obviously you can also be frightened that that's that contact is going to be traced and that's going yes. to be questioned and that yes. might lead to an escalating situation but as you said find out reach out to one person whose phone you can use Use their phone or use their laptop or whatever it is to, to make that one trusted person. But there's so much fear, isn't there? And that's how these situations work. It's based on fear. So for you, again, I'm going to ask you the same as, you, as I asked Clarissa, that one motivation, that one factor. You mentioned that it, reaching out is not automatically police and everybody else involved. I'm assuming it's step, step by step and it will be taken case by case. Yes, it would be taken case by case. So it depends, you know, some, someone might reach out and perhaps they want to start off with just a few sessions, like therapy sessions where we could just talk, no need to go into, you know, in depth and, and uproot everything. Um, sometimes you would refer on also or rope in social workers to be able to come up with a plan for safety and um, to be able to move out of that situation. It depends also on the type of sexual violence because if it's within the family, then it's one thing. And if it was experienced, you know, uh, on a night out or, I don't know, by a friend, then it's, it's a different situation. So it would be a bit different in that way. We also offer legal support, so we can do that if you'd like. But um, I would start with the basic, a conversation. So our very first appointment is usually quite literally a conversation. We sit down, we talk about it, we see what you need. I think that's very important, mm -hmm. giving them a choice. So not taking the choice. As a professional, sometimes, I don't know, personally, I feel like I want to, you know, jump the gun and take all the decisions and I want to help you out of it and I want to do everything in my power. But you have to remind yourself, you know, that they are in the situation and giving them agency to take that choice, you know, uh, Consent had been taken away from them many times, too many times. So giving it back um, and doing it slowly. I think it's a very slow process. It has to be slow. Um, it has to be slow again for safety and to be able to make sure that this is what they want to do.
Okay. You know, hearing you say that it's at the end of the day, it's just a conversation really reminded me why we do this. Because conversations can bring so much good. Mm. And change. Yeah. And change. And change. Sometimes it seems yeah. very scary on the outside, you know. I'm going to go speak to a therapist. I'm going to go speak to a social worker. I don't know what to expect. Again, the expectation kind of, I don't know what to expect out of this. Maybe they'll get policing and maybe then I'll create problems for my children and would have to report exactly. to child protection. So there's a lot of fear surrounding that. But... It is just a conversation. So that's the starting point, just a conversation. And then it's up to you how we move forward. So. Fantastic. Ladies, loneliness. I'm going to come to you, Sasha. Loneliness, you've experienced this at Christmas. This has been part of the conversation that we started talking about when we thought about doing this show. Your recommendations, your safeguard, your suggestions for anybody who's experiencing loneliness at Christmas how did you deal with it honestly I'm not sure because I still experience loneliness sometimes and I don't really have an easy fix for it apart from reminding myself that you cannot possibly be alone quite literally like for me now that I know myself much better than I used to back then, I know that loneliness is kind of a perceived threat for my nervous system. It's not actually a real threat because I'm not actually alone in my life. I am so like lucky to actually have a support system. I have friends, I have a partner, I have my family. So for me, yes, it's true. There were actual Christmases where my friends completely left me out of their plans and no one spoke to me during the Christmas period and I spent all of that by myself. But now, speaking from where my life is now, I kind of just try to remind myself. I try to ground myself. I try to, you know, engage in some self-care practices because at the end of the day, we can also be a friend to ourselves and just, you know, just breathe in, breathe out seek out a friend you know most times when I'm feeling lonely I'm actually finding it very difficult to reach out to people and the second that I do reach out as you both said it starts to feel a bit better you said something back there that really boom hit me you said loneliness is a perceived threat mm. is and it and it's not an actuality and I think that I mean for some people maybe if they are on their own it it, it can be more real than others, but I think that that is so accurate so many times. Yeah. And it's hard. You know, you were talking about, again, Clarissa, you are talking about volunteering. There are plenty of things that we can do around Christmas not to be alone. But let's face it, half the time when you are alone, you feel a little bit sorry for yourself, so you make yourself more alone. Exactly. Um, um, for instance, for, for me, one, if, and this is a shout-out to anybody who's a foreigner in Malta and has to be here over Christmas, there, you are not alone. Mm-hmm. You are absolutely not alone. There are thousands of foreigners who yeah. are here at Christmas and are alone. And we used to find, my friends and I, who were foreigners in that sort of group, used to always host each other at Christmas and would phone up anybody who was going to be on their own and say, listen, do you want to come over, bring a dish, bring something, you're going to do starter, you're going to do main course, you're going to do dessert, you're going to bring the wine, you're going to do that. And and they were some of the best Christmas experiences I've ever had because you knew everyone was in the same boat and nobody 
was there really by choice. You had to be in that situation and you had to make the most of it. And that was the most liberating, like you say, it's a perceived threat, yeah. not necessarily an actual threat. I've yeah. never heard that. That's fantastic. I'm actually looking into nervous system dysregulation right now because I actually realized that I think my nervous system has been dysregulated for God knows look, how many years. Look into polyvagal theory. Okay. <laughs> okay, I will. Oh my word, we're going off on a total different tangent here. I just want to add one last thing as well. Strengthen your own relationship with yourself if you are in a situation that you are actually alone, you are in the absence of people, because when you are comfortable with who you are and when you are comfortable with yourself, you're automatically in good company. But how do you do that? How do you do that? Me, personally, yeah. I have a lot of practices, um, uh, such as journaling, I, I practice yoga, I practice meditation. These are all practices that I have in my daily life that help me get closer to myself and to just be comfortable and accepting of my own being. That's... Ladies, anything to add? I'm just thinking, it, it reminded me, like what Sasha is saying, it reminded me how much we disconnect from ourselves. Mm -hmm. you know, our day-to-day -day life doesn't really promote being yeah. in ourselves because it's so busy, we need to be out and about doing <laughs> things, literally. <laughs> but it's also social media, I, isn't it? Yeah. Neoliberalism, yeah. Yes, just yes. capitalism. <laughs> oh, we just got a little bit political here. Um, but also, you know, social, I know we, we call it social media, mm. but I actually think that social media, like you ladies have said, should be re-termed because it's actually not that social. No. <laughs> it stops you from being social. Yeah, you might spend time sitting, swiping and scrolling when actually that's stopping you from having a genuine one-to-one -one conversation. I think so social media is a crappy term for that. And you're disconnected from the people around you and yourself once yeah. again because people get forget to eat, forget to drink, don't sleep at the time they should be sleeping because they're scrolling, you know, doom scrolling kind of thing. So it, it promotes the disconnection yeah. with everything around you. Um, and we're so caught up in it that connecting back to ourselves can be really difficult. Um, just I'm mindful that, that we've talked about an awful lot. So I just want to come to in a couple of other things. Safety. What can we do at safety? I mean, this I know that you ladies are not necessarily experts in this, although I would say that probably you have a better knowledge of this than, than most. Physical safety, mental safety, but actual being out at Christmas in the environment with other people. How can we make sure that we're safe? Oh, because immediately, as soon as I said that, I'm thinking, okay, so the answer to that is moderate what you drink, moderate what you get involved in, careful. But, you know, really, that's not practical necessarily. No, I think you have to see what I kind of think beforehand, what, what you need for you to be okay. So if it means, if it means rehearsing what you're going to say to your friends if you don't drink, I don't drink and I get a lot of, I get a lot of like, um, like awkward, uh, remarks or, oh, why don't you drink? You know? Um, so I think rehearsing beforehand, going through the situation and say, okay, what is it that I, what is it that I need? Giving yourself permission to, to actually do the things that make you feel okay. Um, 
then safety, you know, <laughs> not doing stupid decisions. <laughs> Surrounding yourself with good people yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Like. I would go for like emotional safety would be to me, for example, I like to carry um, lavender essential oil in my bag. It's always with me because it calms me down. So if I'm in an environment, <laughs> if I'm in an environment where I suddenly start to feel anxious, I just get out my lavender essential oil and it can be very subtle, just like a perfume, you know, and I can, I can go to the bathroom and use that. So that make, I know that that's yeah. something that makes me feel safe. So I'll take that out with me. Um, if I know preparing in a way, I know my blood pressure tends to go down if I'm drinking. So I take snacks in my bag. So that's preparing <laughs> me. Um, you may have snacks. If, so like preparing yourself for what you need in case you feel a bit unsafe, mm. uncomfortable, um, and having those with you can help you feel much more confident then in your interactions with other people. Practical safety also, I, I do have to say that very often when there are holidays, um, sexual assault also does skyrockets um, in terms of random um, uh, incidents. So I would also go for making sure your phone is fully charged, saying in areas yeah. Um, where there are people and light, um, uh, making sure that, you know, if you're getting a taxi, share your ride with someone else and make sure that it's a, a registered taxi, not just like, um, even if it's a, I don't know, a, a Bolt, for example, but not just going into the car without having done it through the app type of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. And just mm -hmm. on that note, because this is something that we feel very passionately about running a in conjunction with Sasha's show that's going to start in a couple of weeks and run all the way through Christmas, we will be having an Uber campaign, whereas if you're a woman, you'll be able to 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 use the promotion that we're running so that you can get a reduced fare and so on and so forth, because that is, we, we're so passionate about women getting home safely over this season, over this yeah. period, because we've seen what's happened before. Yeah. Yes. I'm just going to kind of throw this into the, the middle of the table and suggest that everything you've mentioned here, when we've talked about safeguards, even to when we, we talked about financial, it all comes down to planning and preparation. You said preparation. And when you said to, just there again about making sure that your phone is fully charged, that I was like, what? That's so obvious. And yet that's just thinking ahead. And you said, think ahead, think about what could happen. Make sure that you plan ahead. And I think as we go into Advent tomorrow, I think it's a really good opportunity to encourage everybody to start thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. I think one last thing I just want to touch on and see if anybody has any thoughts in, in the to, to throw into the middle of the, this metaphorical table situation, family. Families can be very difficult. Do, do any of you have any thoughts? I have my own and I love my family very, very dearly. Please forgive me for saying this. But I love that Sicilian phrase that family is like fish. It goes off after three days. <laughs> and so limiting the time that you spend exposed to family and family members, take a break go outside, go and do something else. Don't stay with them for more than three days because that's not a natural situation that anyone <laughs> should have to live with. But it means also that you get to really enjoy mm. the time that you have if you know that there's an end to it. Mm -hmm. It's going to be for three hours. It's okay. It's just three hours. We can do three hours. It's going to be for three days. It's just fine. We can 
get to the end of three days. The, the fish might, might start smelling, but we'll be okay. But it, again, it's that planning. Do you have anything to add to that? I mean, I was actually going to add it as well to what we were saying before about preparing, like when you're going on a night out, touches upon boat, knowing when you need to remove yourself from mm. a situation. Mm. Like if a gathering isn't feeling good, whether it's family, friends, colleagues, just remove yourself. You know, you have the opportunity to, if it's just not feeling safe, even after like using using your own coping mechanisms just remove yourself know that that's always an option and don't get carried away in in the possibility of feeling like FOMO you know the fear of missing out just go home I had to look that up when you sent that to me I'm that old school (laughs) (laughs) so she's sending me notes before we came on the show she sent me FOMO and I'm like I know I know this but I can't remember what it is um I'm gonna ask you to top up Sasha because we are enjoying some nice wine here and in a minute we're gonna chin chin uh, the end of this show because I Thank just you, want to kind of, if it's all right with you, I just want to, to add this summary. Plan ahead, and please feel free to interject. Mm-hmm. Plan ahead, manage your expectations, prepare, be kind to yourself, and give yourself permission to control your environment. And I'm going to keep saying what you guys have said if you're in a more serious situation one person, one conversation. Mm. That's all it takes. Thank you so much, ladies. Chin chin. I'm going to put also on the page the links to you guys so that we know if anybody is in a situation over Christmas that they'll be able to reach out. They'll know where to reach out. And I just want to thank you for coming and having this conversation. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Christmas. And or is that too Christmas. early? Oh my gosh. Can't believe we're doing that. Chin chin.